Welcome back, everyone. I'm with my uh, good friend, Ed Kane. I've known Ed uh, for years, actually. Co-workers. Uh, so we were colleagues for a very long time, became fast friends through work. Ed and I share a lot of similar ideologies. We're uh, similar people. Uh, we've always had great discussions, whether it's personal or professional, in and out of the office. So uh, I had wanted to speak with Ed, who is uh, he's a professional. Uh, he's a great guy. Um, and again, a great friend, but Ed, if you want to just maybe give a few words, a few notes about yourself and go from there. Yeah. So, uh, Joe and I met, um, 2013. So we go back going on a, a decade now. We've worked together. I've always ha- had a lot of respect for you, Joe. Um, Likewise. and I've always kind of felt like, like fundamentally, I've always felt like we see eye to eye, um, and it's a lot of times like in just conversations that we've had, we're both like sort of opinionated and we both um, we're not the kind of people to kind of like shrink from something because it's like controversial. So mm-hmm. I thought it was super cool when you said you were doing this project because I've always felt like civic engagement is very important. And a lot of people, because they're afraid to, um, ruffle feathers or they're just afraid of being able to have a, a tough conversation they lack maybe some bravery or or whatever like shy away from this kind of stuff so I think it's really cool that you're kind of diving into some of these topics that are are tricky topics mm-hmm. um, so I've always thought that was really cool we've always kind of had that in common so when you asked to, to chat I, I definitely want to to jump into it. So just like brief background on myself. So I I've lived in St. Louis, like a, a big part of my adult life. Um, I grew up in Southern Illinois, like an hour and a half away from St. Louis. So when I graduated college, that was kind of like natural place to go look for some opportunities. So when um, we thought about what, what we chat about, like the NFL protest definitely came to mind. That was something that for for a, a good chunk of like the mid 2000s, like 2014 on, that was that was happening in our backyard. So it was mm-hmm. all something that was on our minds for for quite a while. So that was definitely something that I I felt like we both had something to say about. So for sure, let me ask you. I mean, when you think about, I mean, I will first say and just get out of the way, and maybe this may not be the case. I do think there's a misconception for the novice, the casual fan. Some people, and I know most don't, thought even that was a protest of the military or they just didn't understand it because they associate the flag and armed forces. And in reality, the background on that obviously is um, the then San Francisco 49ers um, quarterback, Colin Kaepernick, had chosen that as a means to protest police brutality. And I think, I know you and I know that, uh, but for anyone that may be listening or watching, I think there was some confusion on that. And a lot of people very quickly just run away from football uh, or watch it, you know, uh, under their pillow or wouldn't tell anyone that they watch it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not watching football ever again, unless they're in the Super Bowl kind of thing. Um, But knowing that and knowing that that was designed to wake people up, and Cap was definitely vilified. Um, do you think that was an effective means to bring attention to uh, the matter of police brutality? 
So interesting, uh, interesting question. So was it effective in drawing people's attention into the issue? I think very much so yes and very much so no. So <laughs> he captured the country's attention in, yeah. like, in a very uh, large scale. And I mean, so it was it was absolutely something that was effective in that regard. Um, definitely got a lot of our intention on the issue that was intended police brutality. However, um, you know, I, I thought about like what would Martin Luther King Jr. say mm-hmm. about this, and I think he would agree in the in spirits and in. Um, all the objectives are probably more or less aligned, but I, I think that the result is something that he would have anticipated and he would have like suggested a different means. He was more of like very much so the Christian philosophy of loving thy neighbor mm-hmm. and like how can I peacefully protest in a way that's through love and community and attempting to bring people together and i think that it the way it was done would did not achieve that and kind of was counterproductive in some of those ways so sure. i think there are elements of that that were regrettable i would say in terms of the efficacy of like the strategy of, of that but you know with that having been said you know I don't think it's for the outsider to tell the activists of how to express their displeasure with with their whatever the issue is, this or anything else. I think it's up to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if, if, if anyone in this country wants to express themselves in the, in the means that they see fit to express themselves, I support that as someone who once what I think Colin Kaepernick wants, mm-hmm. um, you know, I would have hoped for, for a different way of expressing what he was expressing. Sure. Well, and I also think the league, I mean, I'm not going to, I don't, I'm not going to say, you know, there's, how do I say this? Like Jerry Jones has been, you know, associated in a lot of unpleasant ways and maybe he's a, a great guy. But that you know, they he's viewed as almost slave ownerish, and that is very harsh. And I don't mean that that way, but almost like get on board or get off type thing. And you've got a lot of young guys, predominantly black, who generate a tremendous amount of money for Jerry and well publicized. He bought the team at a fraction of what it's worth. But there's a lot of owners like that, supposedly, that aren't as vocal and in the spotlight. Had this been the NBA? and Kaepernick did that, I think the results would be way better. The National Basketball Association is the most player run of any major sport I've ever seen. I mean, it's not close. I don't know a lot about hockey. I watch it, but I don't know about the ins and outs and the relationship between commissioners and owners and players. Baseball doesn't have that. Baseball has it more than football. Football does not have it. You know, it's why, you know, it's the king of non-guaranteed contracts. You show up and you play or you don't get paid. Um, and you do it our way or you don't get paid. So I agree with everything you said. I think cap, um, the intentions were pure. I think he's a super brave dude for doing that. People forget he gave up a lot of money. I know he got some of that on the back end with deals with Nike and, 
he got some other things that led to income, but he basically sacrificed a career. I mean, you knew at that point, if he came back, which this dragged for years, he never did. If he came back, it was back up. Someone was going to take a shot. The minute he had a bad game, they were going to fry that organization and him. And there were probably a lot of organizations that wanted to take a chance on cap, but didn't want the backlash of what it would do and potentially turn off their fans who are paying fans. So um, totally agree. A couple of pieces um, about police brutality as it is. You referenced being from St. Louis and I'm still here. Uh, and, you know, Mike Brown, um, you know, and F- uh, Ferguson, what what do we think? I mean, again, we know the concept conceptually. We know why the kneeling happens. We understand it's to fight police brutality is specifically against those of color. Do, do, do we do know why? Do we have a, a guess why the, the 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 why behind the why? What do we think that is? Do you have any thoughts, comments, or opinions on why it so impacts uh, Black and Latino Hispanics more than than others? Sure. So it's it's tough to... I think it's really important to try to have like a, 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 as much as it's possible, like a rational approach to this, like a, date, a data-driven approach. I think most Americans come to this from a video they saw on social media, whether they're on whatever end of the spectrum which kind of puts us in our lizard brain kind of state where it's hard to really have like a rational, slow, intentional kind of way of thinking about it. But I I think we really have to try to stop that as a society and try to have conversations like the one we're attempting to have right now and, and really like slow down and try to be more rational about this, regardless of what, area of the spectrum we land on on the issue. So that's like the first thing I would say about it. The second thing is I think whether a police officer is whatever race, black, white, Hispanic, um, I think that there are implicit biases Mm -hmm. where those are, some of those are maybe informed through their experiences on the force. Some of those are just societal, systemic kind of subconscious biases. There is a, I can't remember what university, I think it was maybe Harvard that did the um, unconscious bias mm-hmm. where they did, uh, there was one about age and one about race. And they kind of showed people that they had these biases that, you know, they're subconscious. So I think there is a lot of that. I, I think that some of the data that's available has shown that even black police officers mm-hmm. many times have biases against black citizens. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's the big thing. Um, and what I, I think if you really look at it, there's not tons of data that's available, but if you really look at it, it's very spotty. It, like some police departments, I think do awesome. There's like the full spectrum of performances of police departments. Like there's no nuance in any conversation anymore in this country. <laughs> but if there were one about this, I mean, you could find departments that are stellar at doing community policing that build relationships that do things to kind of offset and counterbalance their implicit biases and they're phenomenal. And then there's the absolute worst ones that have racist, they have um, cultures where they lie to protect one another from Mm -hmm. any accountability. There's no transparency. There's this kind of culture that dates back a long time 
and and they're violent and all kinds of things. So and you have everything in between. Um, so I, I think that's kind of the story. But the the sad thing is, is we don't really have like great data. They're like we have to like ask the police departments to provide data. And if you're a big offending police department, if you're part of the the police departments that don't really care about these kind of things, sure. you're not going to be offering any data up about what you're doing to your citizens. Yep. That's a big part of the problem. The huge part. And, you know, there's, a, there's other compounding factors like internal affairs are essentially police officers and in, uh, investigating police officers. You know, it's, um, it's like any internal investigation at a company, uh, you know, Certainly there may be separation between the departments, but you are all still working at the same place. So, you know, that the body cam issue, you know, the fact that citizens have had to vote in the past, it been that not being an automatic thing is crazy because it's not, it's not consistent across uh, all police forces or law enforcement as a whole. You have to wait for them to release the footage. It takes forever. You probably wonder sometimes if it's tampered with what took so long, um, often officers are suddenly put on paid leave or unpaid leave before footage is released, but it may be six months after the incident. So I think to the community, and I haven't been in this personal experience, I've lost a you know family member or anything, but to the community, I think it often looks like we have to keep this police officer protected and keep the peace, uh, around our city, our town, which makes sense. But ideally, it shouldn't be we need to keep the police officer protected and keep the peace. We need to keep the peace, but we also need to just do what's right, whatever that is. And I agree with you, without there not being a lot of data sets to really analyze it, it's difficult. And then one thought I had is I think it's perfectly natural to be scared of something you don't understand. It it just is. You know, if you're, have never (laughs) been on a roller coaster and you ride it, it's scary. If you've done it 50 times, it may still be scary, but you're not that scared. You know, if you patrol this specific territory and you know your people because you are community policing and you have those relationships and you know some of these guys and gals on a first name basis, whether they're criminals or violent or not, doesn't matter. You know the people. You're less likely to be scared. And if you are scared, and I don't want the get into the fear for your life thing because I think that's an easy way to escape uh, accountability in a lot of places. But still, if you are scared and maybe are fearful and you have a weapon that can kill someone, you are more likely to use it even if you don't harbor those deep-seated things. Or like you said, their biases they're not even aware of. And I don't know how you fix that without super enhanced training. And it also may require an adjustment in income, You know, the median income. The, the, The jobs are not desirable. And I think often police forces are settling for someone that wants to do the job that's interested because people aren't beating down the door to be cops. It's a bit that that's a, that's a serious issue that I don't think is discussed enough. Um, It's no different than if you encounter a teacher that's not invested, well, you don't pay her a whole lot or pay him a whole lot. And that's generally what you're going to get, especially in a time right now where it's difficult to hire people because a lot of them don't want to work. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, it's inter- one, one just observation. I, I've got plenty of thoughts, but just um, toward, towards the end of what you're saying is we have two kind of left-leaning individuals here who are both in agreement that we need more funding for police. 
Yeah, you know, not defunding. Like, yeah. <laughs> kind of like a straw man that the right has against the left when it comes to crime or this issue is the, the defund to the police, yep. which is like a disingenuous straw man argument against yep. sort of left leaning people. And, you know, I, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a correct view of, of I what agree. most left leaning people are really wanting, especially people of color. I, you know, um, exit polling is coming out with the election yesterday and, um, it's indicating that people of color, black and Latino, uh, crime is uh, a bigger factor in their vote. So mm-hmm. I think that's um, in line with that. And it, and it makes sense when you look at the, uh, the prejudice that you see when you look at some of these studies where you look at stop and frisk, you're, you're way more likely to um, have it, not even talk about, you know, violent shooting. There's roughly a thousand people who get killed by police every year, but there's millions of interactions with police officers, and some of those have some level of aggression or violence. Mm-hmm. And you're you're way more likely as a black or Latino individual to have hands put on you. And they found that by like 40 or 50 percent, it was like extremely significant. Sure. And then also like less uh, benefits from compliance, meaning so. There's also like another straw man argument where it's just like people resisting arrest. Yep. Right. You'll you'll hear that. Well, you, they re- resisted arrest, so blah blah blah. They they had it coming for one reason or another. So some kind of iteration of that argument, right? But they found that the benefits that they got from compliance, compliance being following orders, yep, etc., were less for Black and Latino uh, people. So that kind of, you know. Um, doesn't line up with uh, they were just resisting, uh, resisting arrest um, argument. Um, so, yeah, I think that's definitely something that um, it's good that we're having a conversation about it. Yeah. I think it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's good to bring it out of like the hysterics of this person uh, hates America. They're spitting in the face of our military or thank you. Yeah. You know, it's not that. Or on the other side yeah. of just police are just out to kill everyone and they're not yeah. to be trusted and we're to be fearful of police and things like that. Yep. The hysterics just you know, it's it's bad. Hey, let me ask you a question. Do you think and this is a I think this is a good question, and I don't know that I know the answer. These canned things that you talked about, those straw man arguments, I mean they literally just shoot them out. Like they've got a holster and there's like three things, right? Like Wait till you see the, you didn't see the rest of the video. And well, I kind of got him killing him on tape. Like, well, what else do I need to see? Right. Or he must've been resisting or he shouldn't have been committing a crime or cops are scared. And this happens to everyone. You know, there's, there's a few of these canned responses that are almost like auto replies for a group of people, which are generally on the right. But with that said, do you think, and this is a whole nother deal, but it's another show, but do you think that people are truly conditioned don't know better or do you think it's because of the fact that there's a significant chunk of people that get all their news is completely downloaded from youtube shorts and facebook memes and you know they follow five or six mainstay twitter accounts that are heavy left right whatever i think there's a large group of people that there's all this information and if it doesn't like hit this funnel and drop right here for me 
it I don't even acknowledge it exists. And I think that's really common. And the other side of it is all of these people are stupid and believe that about, you know, shouldn't have been resisting arrest, must have done something wrong. You know, all cops are good. You know, blue like the blue lives matter thing is is ridiculous. And it's not because they don't matter. It's because that any blank things matter is is I is designed for a group of people that are marginalized. Cops aren't. So that's why it doesn't make sense. Like, you know, you could say Asian lives matter or anything, any group that's been, you know, experienced recent hatred or previous historic hatred and their, their lives are marginalized. Why you, why you have a, a month, you know, <laughs> like you get this one month to just so people recognize you. Doesn't mean that the, nothing else matters this month. It just means I want you to remember that we exist. So we are doing it this month. So do you think, and again, I don't know if there's a right answer. Is it, are people that stupid and conditioned or I don't want to say stupid under a rock or le- less exposed and conditioned, or is it because people run all in the same and they're in these very clicky like deals and they all are downloading data from the same places? Yeah. So I, I think, uh, yes and yes and yes. I was having a conversation <laughs> with my wife when we were talking about this, this conversation that we're happening now. And I told her about a study that I was reading about where they just paid uh, Fox News uh, uh, viewers, regular viewers to go cold turkey and watch uh, CNN news for like 90 days or something. And they had a way of like uh, measuring compliance through like survey questions or something. They could kick okay. the people out who got wrong answers. And they found like massive results where people like changed opinions on political issues like double digits and they okay. were extremely persuadable and they were also exposed to new issues that they were just never going to hear about on Fox news. Some of kind course. of issue that just not, does not look favorable on, on the right. You're just never going to hear about, you're just always going to be ignorant. Same sure. is true on a, on a left station. Yep. You're just never going to hear about something that's going to make the left look bad. That story is mm-hmm. just not part of the program. It's not like a left spin. You, it's just not reported on. Yep. But anyway, there were like massive um, re- changes in responses on opinions for, for different issues. And it was over 90 days, but yeah. So like, I think people um, can change their mind and they can be better, but I think that we all <laughs> are in silos more so now than ever before. Oh yeah. On, on social media. I know I curate my social media to where, I'm viewing the things that I like to view. Yep. Same with everyone else. I'm not going to be watching, reading. You know, I'll read some right-leaning sure. newspapers and stuff, but I'm not reading, you know, Newsmax and yeah, uh, National Review and Fox News and stuff like that. So we're all in silos. So that's one part of it for sure. There's mm-hmm. another part where this is a conversation I think you, you could have with someone else. So I'd maybe flag this for another podcast, but like how is racism expressed over time in America? I think mm. is like a great podcast. Like right now it's, it's no longer using the N word overtly or saying just absolutely just nakedly racist statements. That's sure. not really a thing that happens for the most part. I mean, I'm sure some, sure. Um, but I mean, you get completely ostracized from you know companies, or you get kicked off social media for most of that kind of stuff. So Certainly. most of it is expressed in 
this person hates America. Yeah. Or this person is disrespecting our veterans or this person uh-huh. hates our flag or is disrespectful or it's expressed in, in this way. I'll, I'll read a quote. Um, this, in my opinion, is a, an expression of a racist reaction to the protesting. Wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners when someone disrespects our flag to say, get that son of a bitch off the field right now out. He's fired. Yep. He's fired. Sounds so, like Jerry Jones. <laughs> that was Donald Trump okay, about Jerry or, or just in general. Yes. No, that was a, tr- a quote from Trump. And some of it is a racist, uh, a racist proxy or yep. like a dog whistle. Yeah, so that is, a, that is a part of it also. Yeah, I agree. And, and that, that would be an, a, a great show. I, I do think it's rooted and I do think it's a lot easier to take a group of like people and the, and rally them against something as opposed to trying to discover something. I can't tell you how many people I grew up with that had you told me that they'd be far right, and I don't care, but had they, they'd be far right and borderline racist or racist 20 years later, I'd be like, that's not possible. And St. Louis is a weird beast. You've got this heavy North County conglomerate move to St. Charles, to St. Peter's, to O'Fallon, to Wentzville, and then just keep going. Troy, Moscow, just further away from whatever they're trying to get away from. But they also, and that's not a knock on any of my friends or anyone that's not a friend that has done that, but that is generally where I see this disconnect. It's like, what happened to you? You're, and it's not that you have to like or love a certain race or anything. It's just there's a disconnect and these people appear to be genuinely confused. Like, hey, what you just said is not that's not appropriate. Because I do think there is an education gap and it's massive. And that's why a show like this, you know, hopefully one day we're in front of a lot of people. Um, but shows like this and conversations like this aren't comfortable. And it's rare that two people can get together. And you and I are comfortable with each other because we're friends, but it, it's rare that someone would say, you know, I heard you say that and I wonder why. Can I ask what? That's never going to happen among strangers. And when there's built in animosity and you have this whole group of people behind you telling you that what you do is right because they all download their data and information from the same places. It's really, really difficult to break that mold. And I don't know if there's a solution for it right now. Um and, it, and it, the solution is people being adults and having conversations. But um, we've got about five or six minutes left since we're kind of on the social media topic. Elon Musk, for those that have been under a rock, bought it for $44 billion, instantly lost a ton. He's immediately trying to claw that back by charging $8. He openly uh, said yesterday that you should go vote Republican. Didn't seem to work, but he did say that. I don't know if he's trying to use that pedestal for good or bad. But it does bring up a great point about free speech. Elon has also very famously banned uh, Kathy Griffin, the comedian, for impersonating him. But he has there's a lot of other evidence on Twitter, and I'm on there a lot, that he is discontinuing, terminating and suspending accounts that he just doesn't like. So it's a little bit more dictatorship. But it does bring up the question of you know, what is free speech and, and, and what does that look like, especially in the social media realm? Yeah, so my my reaction when this event happened, Colin Kaepernick uh, took a knee, mm-hmm. and initially I was just like, uh, I was very curious because I, I didn't really know what was going on, but I started to hear uh, 
people like like you where like the people that you know that um like what happened to you like people like that I've, I've, i'm from southern illinois from mostly like a red area of the country and i have a lot of friends a lot of family members who are on the right right voted for trump so i, I started to hear a lot of things like um this is anti-patriotic or this is disrespectful to specifically veterans people who fought or died and that I, I just didn't understand that. And like, to me, this is why we started the country in the first place, right? Is so people could have liberty and freedom. This was the first amendment that we put in the constitution that Thomas Jefferson and James Madison put freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of the press before all the rest. Yep. Right. And Jefferson, you know, sent a letter from France making sure that this was in there because this was fundamental, right? So one thing I looked up for preparation for this was uh, the oath that you take when you're um, taking your oath to, to join the army. I, my brother and sister are both in the army. Um, so that reads, I, and then you say your name, solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. So I'll just leave it there. It goes on from there. Yeah, but, but the it. Constitution <laughs> of the United States is about these sorts of expressions. And um, that is what this country is about. There are countries like Russia or China where you get thrown into prison indefinitely for things like this. And, yes. and, and we didn't want a tyrant to be ruling over us like King George. And that that is what it means to be American. So it offended me. All these people say you are disrespecting America when they're showing us that they don't really understand what it means to be an American. So that was kind of like my thing is like none. Of, I, I don't think I, I don't know what it is, but those people never really connected those dots somehow. And that was like where my mind like immediately went to when I when I heard some of those kind of things. And I heard a lot of things similar too. And in the most, I think one thing that was really, really important is even when the people knew that that didn't make sense, they they weren't willing to abandon that. And that's even amidst multiple service members. Like, no, we support Colin. <laughs> that's that's why that's that's what we're supposed to do. We don't have to like it, but it's what we signed up for. And the reality is, you don't want to be violent. You know, there was a, there was a hotbed in the black community of there was internal friction of do you want to be the more vocal more aggressive and violent nation of islam or do you like the more passive mlk which definitely seemed to be the the proper approach and the results were better but th there there is some you know in the black community for years going back then and before then like we're not doing anything violent but we're just trying to get a basic message across. And I think Colin was doing it. He didn't ask for the cameras. There's a guy in the press box noticed it. He had apparently done it the preseason game before that, but no one noticed it. So he was going to do it until someone noticed it. I'm sure. And maybe would have done it permanently. And, you know, up until what point, obviously he was out of the league, but he wasn't like, Hey, look at me. This was his personal peaceful expression. Yeah. And it was, it was actually used. It was weaponized. And that is uh, that is yeah. sad stuff, and I think that really flies in the face of uh, 
Yeah, the last thing that I'll just say to kind of sure. uh, put a finer point on that is if anyone who is still of that opinion, who like truly feels like that's disrespectful, they should read the Declaration of Independence. Yep. And the Declaration of Independence is by far a more strident expression of disrespect and grievances than taking a knee. I agree. And, it, and if, um, you know, they, you know, some on the right like to throw the uh, expression snowflake around. Like yep. if you're that much of a snowflake where this really offends you, then I would hate if you read the Declaration of Independence because that would really, that would really get, get you hot around the collar. Yep, that's, the, that's the real stuff.